0: We will continue our seminar um, Walking with God, Practical Ways to Maintain a Vibrant Connection with Christ And the title this time will be Eyes Wide Open but Not Seeing Let's bow our heads for prayer Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much Once again that you've given us this opportunity to study your word I pray that you will continue to bless us and open our eyes so we can see. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this morning we talked about Al Capone. Were you here when we talked about that? (laughs) And also uh, David. We're going to talk about David a little bit more. But also, but this this time I want to talk about. Um, start with the story of Elijah, and it's found in Second Kings chapter six. If you can, if you would turn to Second Kings, chapter six. The first one that we we talked about this morning was about the importance of Bible study, right? Second one was about the importance of witnessing. And you'll see what we're going to talk about as we study our third session. If you look at 2 Kings chapter 6, there is a story that is very familiar to all of us. It's a story about... A king the king of Syria Verse eight It says Second Kings chapter six verse eight Then the king of Syria warred against Israel unto counsel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place. For thither, the Syrians are come down. And who is this man of God? This is Elijah, right? And the king of Israel sent to the place the man of God told him, and warned him of, and saved himself there, not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elijah the prophet that is in Israel. Telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. So can you imagine this king of Syria so frustrated every time he plans something the Israelites are ready right? why? because whatever he says in his bedchamber Elijah could hear so he tells listen the Syrians are planning this so get ready you know in your bedchamber did you know God hears anything going everything that is going on? Everything. So you know Christianity? True Christianity is found in your bedchamber by yourself. We can be we can act like Christians. Here. Or in, in the church, right? But God knows. Man looks at the outward outward appearance, but man, I mean God, looks at the heart. He knows exactly what you're thinking. You may be just sitting here, but maybe you you may you may be thinking about dinner plans. You know, I don't know. But God, I don't know. But God knows. Anyway. So this king is frustrated. So he said, there's a spy here. So tell me who the spy is. So one of the men said, what? It's none of us. It's Elijah, the prophet. And so, and he said, go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he there horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God, this is servant of Elijah, okay, was risen Elijah, was risen early, gone forth, behold and host encompassed the city both with horses and chariots and his servant said unto him alas my master how shall we do can you imagine one Sunday morning you get up and you look outside (laughs) there are these uh, (laughs) Al-Qaeda maybe uh, 400 of them with tanks around your house How would you feel? I don't think you're going to go, well, I'm going to go back to bed. (laughs) Or I'm going to go, what am I going to have for breakfast? So he is scared to death, right? Would you blame him for that? So he goes to Elijah and says, Master, what are we going to do? Look at all these... Look at what he says. Verse 15. He answered, fear not. For they that be with us are more than they be with them. Can you imagine that? But this is the verse that I want you to focus on. Verse 17. It says this. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. Now this is something that you have to understand. Look at this verse very carefully. Okay? And Elijah prayed. And said, Tell me where I'm misreading this place, okay? Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open our eyes that we may see. What? It says, Open his eyes that he may see. Why didn't he say, Open our eyes so we can see? You know why? Because Elijah, his eyes are already opened. We have two eyes, right? I'm not talking about two physical eyes. We have one physical, and one spiritual eye. And you know, most of us live with our physical eyes. And most of us decide using our physical eyes. But God doesn't want us to do that. Our spiritual eyes is called faith. Eyes of faith. It's seeing through the eyes of God. You know, when Saul, he he went around killing the Jews, I mean, killing the Christians, right? With his eyes open. But when did he really see the truth? When he became blind, (laughs) right? When he became blind. That's why this is so significant here. Godly men, godly people, they live with their spiritual eyes. That's why he said, Open the eyes of my servant. He didn't have to, he didn't say, open my eyes so I can see. You know, there was a a ship in St. Lawrence River going at a very, very fast speed. And the, the problem was, there was a very, very dense fog. You could just barely see outside. And so the passengers were very upset, saying, "This captain is very reckless, because you know we're going to get killed. How can you go this fast?" And they saw all the, uh, I guess the, uh, the crew crewmen, and they were just calm and, you know, greeting people, and and so these passengers were, saying. Why are you. Don't you feel like. Why are you so calm? Don't you feel like your captain is reckless? And they said, no. Because where captain is, where he sits, is high above. So he's above the fog. He can see miles ahead. Where we're standing, where we're sitting, we can only see fog. But where captain is, is clear. So these passengers were traveling with their physical eyes, right? With their own eyes, making decisions. Whereas the crewmen were traveling through the eyes of the captain. That's why they, were, they need not worry. That's how they were calm. You see that? When we live our life, how do we live? In Genesis 13, why don't we turn to Genesis 13? Genesis 13, verses 10 to 13. You know, Lot and Abraham were relatives, right? Lot, I mean, Abraham was Lot's uncle. And you know, basically, Abraham took care of Lot. But there was some quarrel in the family, so they decided to separate. And Abraham, being gracious, told Lot, you choose. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the north, I'll go to the south. So you choose. Very gracious man. And you know, did you know, at that time, probably the most beautiful place in this entire earth you know what that was? It was Sodom and Gomorrah. Did you know that? Let's look at this. Genesis thirteen, verses ten. We we'll just read. We'll just read verse ten. It says, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plains, plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as a garden of the Lord. It was like Garden of Eden. And he saw this, all these business opportunities. And all these incredible things. Beautiful. I mean, it was a no-brainer, you know. He said, this is where I'm going to go. He made his decision based on what? His physical eyes, right? But look at what happens. Abraham. Look at um, Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 8 to 10 It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an in- inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith he journeyed in the land of promise, as in, in a strange country, dwelling in the tabernacles with a- Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. First 10, he says, he looked with what type of eyes? Was he able to really see with his physical eyes the uh, New Jerusalem? No, with his spiritual eyes. He could see and he looked for a city. And in verse 16 it says, Now they desire the better country that is at heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. If you look at um, John chapter 20. Verse twenty-eight and twenty-nine. No, just first uh, chapter twenty, verse twenty-nine. What does it say? Jesus said unto him, to Thomas, Thomas, because I have seen me. God has believed. Blessed are they that has not seen and yet have believed. That is, believe by faith with the spiritual eyes. So God values faith. Now let me ask you a question. When it comes to faith, why does God value faith so much? Mm-hmm. You can't always save if you have to go back there. Okay, that's true, but... Trust, trust. But what's... what you know? So what's the big deal about trust and all these things? I mean, why does God want us to have complete trust in Him on this earth? It makes you more dependent and gives more like, freedom to work for you, you can't do it by yourself. Okay. But why can He give us all the power in the world to do all these things ourselves? Why can't he, you know, even without the mind of Christ, why can't he give us all the strength that we need? Okay. Because it's in contrast to the original sin, Um, Satan's original sin was because of the lack of faith, the lack of trust, and until the Lord can bring around And before the universe. God's true faith okay, all the answers are great, and they're all right. There's no no wrong answers, but I was thinking about this: Why does God require us to have faith? Why is it to God, faith so important? Because doesn't He say, "Without faith, we cannot please Him." And anything that we do without faith is sin, right? Let's say I am walking down downtown Manhattan, New York City. Okay? And I'm walking down and there's this man I've never seen before. just comes out of one of those um, (laughs) let's say alleys and gives me this Green drink. <laughs> say, hey man, this is great. Try it. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> what do you think I'm gonna do? Sure. <laughs> do you think I'll do that? Why not? Why do not not? Why do I not trust him? That's the key right there. Lack of knowledge. I don't know him. But let's say it's the same scenario. as walking down the you know, street in. My wife comes with the same drink and says, hey, this is great. Would I drink it? Yes. Absolutely, I'll drink it. Okay, you know why? She I know her. Yeah, I know her. I know her, I mean, I probably know her more than anybody else. Okay." I know her. This is the thing. There is something called knowledge that makes a person trust. Okay? Let me ask you something. Were we ever being the same level as God? No. How long will it, do you think it will take for us to be like God in terms of knowledge? It will never happen. You believe that? It will never happen? Not at the same level we That will never happen throughout eternity, right? So there will always be a gap between God and us. Is that true? Throughout eternity. The gap is not this much. It's it's huge. Started, lose right? Lose like See, the thing is, Adam and Eve did not know God because there was a gap in knowledge. That gap throughout eternity would be always there. Isn't that true? But that gap can only be filled by faith. Okay? That's why He wants us to develop faith and trust in Him. On this earth. That's the only way there will be no more sin. Faith. That's why faith, without faith we cannot please Him. We can never be... You know, in a, in a sense, God will always be that stranger that came out of the alley. Because there's a gap in knowledge. So that faith for us is so for God is so important. We can never be like God. We can never be God. And we can be like God in character, but in terms of knowledge, I mean there's we can always say, you know, I don't know if there's but you know, every one of us who be saved we have 100% trust in Him. Because the experience that we have on this earth, and the Bible is full of those experiences, right? It's for our, our edification and our, and our growth. And He gives us these experiences on this earth for us to have that faith in Him when we go to heaven. So we'll never question Him. Even though there will be a gap. That was just a side note. Anyway, um, you know, I had this um, experience with one of my patients. As you know, I'm a skin doctor. And, you know, here, I feel pretty confident about my abilities. This man came, he's a policeman, he's about fifty years old. He came to my office and he had this lesion and um in his in his private area and I gave him a medication. I said, This is very easy to treat, so I gave him a medication. I s you know, it took me ten seconds to diagnose. And he went home, came back, he was better. I uh, see, that was pretty easy, that was I'm pretty good, you know. (laughs) A week later, he came back with the same lesion. So I gave him the same medicine. But this time, it got worse. I said, hmm, maybe I'm not as smart as I thought I was. So I um, gave him a different medication. Okay, and then he came back and it was worse and so I did some biopsies I got skin samples and I got some cultures and virus viral cultures and bacterial cultures and all these things send it off to the lab he came back very nonspecific. you know what that means non-specific that means they don't know (laughs) (laughs) and so I didn't know And this started spreading to his legs. So I did more biopsies. I did more studies. Started spreading to his arms and his trunk. And here I'm getting... you know, Now I feel really dumb. And so I said, I need some help. So I sent him to Emory University, dermatology. And I wanted to have every single doctor there look at him. They looked at him. They sent me a letter saying, we agree with your plan. <laughs> and I said, how could you agree with my plan when it's getting worse? And so I need some help. So here I am, I'm reading all different you know, journals and articles and trying to research out what this guy has. Nothing. I mean, I've never seen this before. It kept getting worse. He started getting these ulcers. And it was black on top. I mean, having holes everywhere. And he, remember, he's a policeman. His finger became about two or three times his size. He was swollen. And he couldn't put his finger in the trigger. And so he was about to lose his job. Okay? And he keeps coming back. I was hoping that he doesn't come back, but he just kept coming back. And so, he went back, I sent them back to Emory University and they had something called Grand Rounds What that is, is they have a bunch of doctors and residents come and see him and then they discuss him. They sent me another letter saying they really don't have anything to add because I did all the tests, you know, they were going to do. And actually they, I think they repeated some of my tests and all came back to be exactly the same. Still nonspecific, they don't know what to do. And I'm starting, I'm using all different medications. Just kept getting worse. This went on for almost two years. Can you imagine the suffering of this man? And here, the only thing I want to do is just get rid of him because he was just, I just couldn't figure this guy out. It's getting worse and worse. And um, he said, can you send me to somebody, some other dermatologist around here? I'll send you to anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) So I sent him to another dermatologist in Chattanooga. And he did seven biopsies. And he couldn't figure out what it was. So he sent him to an infectious diseases doctor he couldn't figure out what it was so he came back to my office again (laughs) and here I'm just getting really frustrated and so here I was it was one Friday morning he wasn't even on the schedule and the day started off badly because he just came into the (laughs) office (laughs) room one sitting there. He said, he's not going to leave until something's done. Because he was, he almost got married before this, you know. But, you know, that broke apart and he's about to lose his job and if he doesn't have a job, he won't have any insurance. Not only that, he has all these things. He cannot sleep, he cannot sit. I mean, he is just miserable. And I said, and he, I don't know what to do, I told him, I don't know, I don't know what you have, and it seems like nobody knows what you have, and um, he said, Dr. Chang, I want to kill myself, I said, don't do that, let me try something else, but he says, I don't want to live, and I didn't blame him, he was so miserable constantly in pain. His life is in just complete disarray. And I don't know why I didn't think of this earlier. Here I'm, I'm supposed to be a Christian doctor, right? I said, Sir, I had enough consultations from so many people I'd like to have one more consultant. I want you to stay right here. I went to my office, got on my knees, I started praying, God, please, not for my sake, for this man's sake. Please, tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. Nobody knows what to do. But you know what to do. I just kept praying. I I would not... I had other patients, you know, kept coming in. But I would not leave that room until I got an answer. I kept praying. And then, something came to my mind. It's like somebody telling me to use a certain medication. And I said, "Wait a minute. I know about that medication. I studied about it in my residency in medical school, but I've never used it. And I don't even know how to use it. But it was the impression was so strong, I called one of my friends, who is a nephrologist, kidney doctor, he uses this medicine all the time. So I called him and said, Dave, you know, I'm about to use this medicine. He goes, what? If you're a dermatologist, you're going to use that medicine? Yeah, I, I think I have to use this medicine, but I just don't know how to use it. Can you tell me how to use it? and can me all the side effects and all that. He goes, okay, be careful. Is it, John? <laughs> Cyclosporin. And this is for, uh, we use it for transplant patients. But this could be infectious. If it's infectious, it can get worse. You know what I mean? So I went to him and said, Sir, I just had a consultation, and I feel like this is the medicine you need to use. And this, but I'm going to warn you, all the side effects. I told him all the side effects that could happen. And also I told him, you might even die if it's the wrong medicine. Then he said, you know, I want to kill myself anyway. (laughs) What's the big deal? (laughs) So I'll try anything. He came back about a week or a week and a half or two weeks later. He was completely better. I can't, I just go. And I said, why didn't I pray before? That should have been the first thing. Now, after that experience, first thing I do when I go go to go to work is have prayer with all the staff. We need to pray because without prayer, I mean we think you know sometimes we get so cocky and self confident that we don't we don't even know what we don't know you know, and so you know you know before he always says. Dr. Chung, I know you're trying. Thank you so much. And he leaves. Very kind man, you know. Now he says, Praise the Lord. (laughs) He used to give me credit, now you give God's credit, you know. And you know, he gave a testimony at his church about how God saved his life through that medicine. And now, you know, I want to kind of decrease the dose. He says, don't touch God's medicine. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, here, I'm looking at the lesion with my physical eyes and trying to solve it. But I needed to, I needed to from the day one, for His sake, I should have seen through the eyes of God. Through prayer. Through faith. Right? You know, I tell you, a lot of times we use prayer as our last resort, don't we? <laughs> that should be our first resort. Let me read something here about prayer. Christ, uh, um, Steps to Christ. Okay? page 94 why should the sons and daughters of God be reluctant to pray when prayer is the key in the hand of faith to unlock heaven's storehouse where are treasure the boundless how much boundless how much is boundless Never right. Resources of omnipotence. Isn't that powerful? I said, why should, should the sons and daughters do you, do you consider yourselves sons and daughters of God? Why should you be reluctant to pray? When the prayer is the key in the hand of faith to unlock heaven's storehouse where I treasure the boundless resources of omnipotence. That that patient gave me a big lesson on prayer. And from now on, I said anytime there is any problem, the first thing I do is what? Get on my knees. I want to read something else, too, here. Page 99. Steps to Christ. We may close, okay, listen to this, we may close every, how many? Every door to impure imaginings and unholy thoughts by lifting the soul into the presence of God through sincere prayer. Do you feel that sometimes impure thoughts and imaginations and unholy thoughts come to your mind? Here's the key right there. It's that we may close every door of this impure imaginings and unholy thoughts by lifting the soul into the presence of God through sincere prayer. Not just nominal prayer, but it's sincere prayer. When you have temptation, that's what you need to do. When you have problems, that's what you need to do. Sincere prayer. Not just say, God, help me. No, it's not that. Get on your knees and... Since, I, I said, when this thing happened, I said, I'm not going to leave this room, God, until you tell me what to do. I was willing to stay there for four hours. Forget about other patients. You know? And God used that opportunity to give me faith, you know, develop my faith and trust in Him. Prayer is the best way, the best tool that God uses to strengthen our faith. Because as we see God answer our prayer, what happens to our faith? Grows, right? You know, we talked about this this morning. I gave um talk on... Um, what was my talk? <laughs> it was... Oh yeah it was the title was David did not use sling or stone How many of you are here for that You know when Let's turn to there I'll make it very brief I'm not going to give the whole sermon 1 Samuel 17 There was um, Goliath. He was 12 feet tall and weighed about 2,000 pounds. And he comes out. He's a giant from Philistine. For 40 days, he challenges the Israelites. Okay? And if you look at chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, verse 24. It says, All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, Goliath, fled from him and were sore afraid. Why were they afraid? I mean, wouldn't you be afraid? I'll be afraid too. He's a you know, guy like two times maybe two times taller and you know maybe what eight times bigger than, yours, bigger than you and say come and fight me I mean it would be foolish for me to go and fight him right and here it says how many men of Israel were afraid all of them and they were so afraid and they fled for him Every time he comes out, he was just running away. I can just imagine that, you know. He comes out for 40 days, he comes out, and all the men goes, let's go, you guys, again, there he comes again. I mean, he's doing that. And here is um, David. He was about 17 years old, probably about my height, you know, five seven, five eight, and a half, and uh, And <laughs> <laughs> weighing about... Uh, you know, I don't know, 140, 150 pounds. And um, he sees, he hears this giant, you know. And, you know, compared to him, I mean, he's just nobody. And he doesn't, I mean, here his, is, here is um, Goliath, covered from head to toe, with brass, right? But look at this. David goes without any arms. And look at verse 45. Let's look at verse 44 first. It says, The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air. And to the beasts of the field. And then, and then David said to Philistine, Thou come to me with a sword and, a, and with a spear and a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, whom thou hast sent. Thou hast defied, I mean. All the men were afraid, Right? do you Do you see any hint of fear in David? None was he armed? Yeah. he was armed with the name of the Lord, right? but he was not armed like any other man of Israel, certainly not like Goliath. and he comes there listen, what are you doing <laughs> This is crazy, you know. When you look at this, they go, I mean, everybody's looking at this. They're going, this is so ridiculous, you know. <laughs> it's like, um, who, 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 you know, uh, in football, there's um, the um, Patriots. They're they're like undefeated, right? Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, college, you know, the <laughs> Academy students getting together. Hey, let's go. Play them, you know? <laughs> Who can beat them? You know what I'm saying? It's ridiculous. But you know what the difference is here with David and these men? david been killing giants all along. Okay. But this is the thing. Here was, these men compare themselves, compare themselves. Mm-hmm to the giant. Right? But David compared the giant to his God. That's why he was coming with the name of the Lord. Behind him was a God that was not 12 feet tall, but that was 20,000 feet tall and weighing 4 million pounds. That's why he can go there and say, Come on, God, we can do this. There's no problem, right? Could he see God physically? But he saw it with his spiritual eyes. As we can, we can. God, we can do this. Actually, you can do this. But the other man, how can I destroy? You know what I'm saying? But we do the same thing. There's a problem. We go, I can't solve this. You know, this man suffered for two years because of my lack of faith. My lack of dependence on God. And I can kick myself for that. This man suffered because of my lack. You know... Do you know where Titanic was built? In Belfast Island, Ireland. They were so proud. It was considered the greatest ship ever built. And you know, they said, this ship is so strong, they're so proud. And they said, not even God can sink this ship, right? In their first voyage across the Atlantic, it hit an iceberg and it sank. Right? You know what? 16 of their finest engineers of that city went down with the ship. And that following Sunday, you know, that whole city was in warning. That following Sunday, there happened to be a famous preacher from America who was there in that city and the all the important people the governors and the dignitaries everyone came to hear him speak on that sunday morning and his title was the unsinkable ship he preached not about the Titanic, but about a little boat on the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the storm that could not sink because there was Jesus there. Let's say you were given a choice. Say, you know what, there's going to be a big storm and there'll may be maybe some icebergs and I tell you what. I'm going to give you a choice. You can go with this boat, Titanic, or this little fishing boat. Which one would you take? What would you do? Huh? I'm sure every one of us would go. There's. Let's all go to the big ship, right? But you know what? Without well, Physical eyes, we'll choose that. Big ship. But we have to say with our spiritual eyes. Where is Jesus? I don't know where Jesus is. I wanna I wanna I wanna go where Jesus is. If Jesus were on the Titanic, I'll be in there too. You know what I mean? It's not the ship or is not the boat. It's where where you can see Jesus. Is Christ there in your plans? Is Christ there in your home? Is Christ there in your boat? Go there. You know, one of the greatest hymn writers, hymn writers in the history you know who it is? Fanny Crosby. Some say she wrote about 10,000 hymns. And if you look at our hymn hymnal, it's just full of her writings. I mean, it's... She wrote like, um, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. And near the cross, pass me not, O gentle Savior. I mean, there are just few. These are famous songs that we know about. Go through the, go through your hymnal. You'll see Fanny Crosby all over. You know, she gave most of her proceeds from uh, her writing to charities, so she lived in poverty and um, one, one day she lived uh, from 1820 to I think 1915 one day she realized that she didn't have enough money for rent so she prayed she said God I need money for rent and immediately there was a knock on the door and somebody gave her ten dollars what she needed for the rent and immediately she wrote this song called All the Way you know that song Mm -hmm. All the Way my Savior leads me what have I to ask beside can I doubt his tender mercy who through life has been my guide heavenly peace, divinest comfort, hereby faith in Him to dwell. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. All the way my Savior leads me, cheers each winding path I tread. Gives me grace for every trial, feeds me with the living bread. Though my weary steps may falter, and my soul a thirst may be. Gushing from the rock before me, lo, a spring of joy I see. Gushing from the rock before me, lo, a spring spring of joy I see. All the way my Savior leads me all the fullness of His love. Perfect rest to me is promised in my Father's house above. When I wake to life immortal, wing my flight to realms of day. This my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. This my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. This godly lady, she lived a life of 95 years but she lived her life in blindness because of a mistake by a physician she was blind almost from birth physically she couldn't see but she lived a life with her spiritual eyes she could see better than we could. Before she died, a Danish preacher asked her this question. Ms. Crosby, do you wish that God had given you the gift of sight? And you know what she said? She said, No. Because when I awake, the first one that I will see is the one that died for me. You know, we can live this life always complaining always worrying because what we see physically is not too appealing, too much for us. But God wants us to live with our spiritual eyes. I'd like to pray. Open all of our eyes so we may see because they are with us are more than they who are with them. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the stories of the Bible which encourages us to live this life with faith, with our spiritual eyes, And through prayer, our prayer will continue. You will continue to guide us, and as you become, if we become weak, help us to always remember that you will, by by faith, that you will guide us and strengthen us, and eventually lead us to eternal life. Thank you for answering our prayer. In Jesus' name, Amen.